welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get started. Straight from New York. Yo, yo, this handsome ass. You yo, are now tuned in to Al Joe the Funk Master. Watch your grill, yoga, knock that cold faster. Talking shit, now we talking facts. When the mountain off the back, you in trouble, came to burst your bubble. I don't shelter punches. They find home on your mind about the devil. This the weekly scraps. You don't need a map. GPS, I'm right here to lead a dash. The world doesn't know it needs, but I grow the seeds. Planet, fuck a name and the fame. Only legacy remains. Remember the name, Al Jermaine Sterling. Uh, it ain't shit. It ain't Safe. Motherfucker. What's up guys? Welcome back to the weekly scraps episode 136, I think. Uh yep, actually I got that correct. Yeah, 136. It's been a wild, wild week. Obviously, I was in the Republic of Georgia. Every time I was telling people I'm going to Georgia, they thought I was going to Atlanta. And they wouldn't know or realize until a couple of days later. They say, oh, when you said Georgia, I thought ATL. I was like, nah, bro, I'm in a whole nother country right now. Um, but really, really fun trip, man. Thank you to all the people out there in Georgia. Of course, we did millions of interviews out there. So I'm pretty sure these guys all heard our, our thanks already. But very hospitable people. Um, I don't think there's been any situation when I've been in where people were so loving and kind and sharing and giving and like man it, it, it was a lot to take in and um super like humbling and appreciative of everything and everyone that came out to see us to welcome us at the airport uh i said this jokingly when al al and i arrived at the airport at jfk we, we walk out from baggage claim we go hey what's up everybody thank you for coming oh my goodness yo al i can't believe all these people are here for us this is wild and uh <laughs> That's the difference, man. And um, it's nice to see a nation get behind their fighters and not even the fighters, the athletes in general. And that's what I really, really appreciated about them. Um, other than that, I mean, obviously, we have so many different sports here. So people like what they are accustomed to or grew up to like. Or I'm just saying when it comes to just athletes in general, they appreciate all the athletes. doesn't matter what they do. They're there supporting their own. And it's really nice to see and refreshing to see. Um, the, the amount of support that they give their fellow countrymen. And uh, I, I love it. I almost felt like I was Georgian the entire time, you know. So um, I am Sterliani from Swanetti. They call me Swanee Man, Swanee Man. But <laughs> this is my hat from, the, you know, the Swanetti village. Uh, they dubbed me this Sterliani from Swanee. So that's who I am for, for this episode. Uh, but being out there, we, we just did so much. It was a crash course and like... The way Marab put this all together was insane. I don't know how he managed to do this, but he'll post something, tweet something, or, you know, Facebook. And the majority of the people out there in Georgia use Facebook still. That's, like, their main source of um, social media in comparison to us here in the States. I think we're more like, now you're seeing the push to TikTok and obviously IG, some Twitter guys. But we have so much diversity where, for them, like, everyone's centralized in that Facebook um, platform. So whenever Marab posts anything, it goes pretty much viral because all the Georgians are watching it, you know. Um, there's a video we did actually squeezing a watermelon from, like, years ago, uh, maybe, like, a year or two ago. And we're at Nino's house, and we all try to crush this watermelon with, you know, the bicep forearm crush, and none of us could do it. It was, like, a super hard watermelon. I don't, I don't think it was, like, Whatever. But we all took turns doing it. Long story short, that video on Facebook has 5 million plus views. That's that's incredible and it's ridiculous. Um, but super cool to see things like that and that type of support. But yeah, like I was saying about the way Marab put this all together, 
Um, very, very exhausted. I'm not going to lie. So for the people that I was starting to feel a little fatigued and tired, please understand that it wasn't because Al and I didn't want to take pictures. We, we wanted to, but we were just on zero, zero sleep. And, um, like I said, that schedule was very, very tough, you know, for us to go from landing. Um, we landed late from the airport and we, we probably stayed at the airport for like two hours. Then I think we, we ate, um, we stayed up late. We slept at 5 a.m., 4.30, this is my schedule, 5.30 a.m. Um, this past Saturday when I watched the fights, which was Sunday for us, I ended up not going to bed till six, about 6.30 in the morning after the TJ Dillashaw, Corey Sanhagen fight. That just gets to put things in perspective. Like, And then from there, we get up. Marab's knocking on the door. Hey, we got to go. We got to go. Right up. We got to go. So, you know, brushing our teeth, getting ready, showering, all that good stuff, trying to hustle, pack our stuff. We're teaching a seminar. From there, we get breakfast. And after that, and it, it, it was just a lot. We're banging it all out. We went up to Kazbeki, something like that. I can't say it the proper way. Kazbeki, uh, the mountains. We got to go to, uh, it begins with S, the biggest, one of the biggest churches in the world. So we, we just did a lot, man. And, um, Marab took us to the, his village. We got to see his house. His uncle showed us how they make wine, which is one of the original ways of making wine in this entire world. And they still use the old school process of putting it in the clay and putting it underground. And his entire backyard is filled with, with uh, um, vineyards, um, vineyards, vineyards, however you say it. I, I'm not an expert in this, so please don't judge me. Um, but it was cool to see that, and the, the wine was just so good from the Hingali to the Hachapuri. But we ate it almost every day. But um, all in all, man, we met some some really good people, some kickboxers. We got to go to the gym, shake shake a lot of hands, meet a lot of good people, and we had a, we had a great time, you know. So, um, of course, thank you, Morat, for that. Hopefully, we get to do a trip to like Italy or Jamaica, and we can set up something similar. Um, I'm gonna make sure we're not doing interviews at. 12.30 in the morning, which is one of the nights Marab said it was going to be a light night. And then he said, oh, sorry, bro. You know, you know, I'm sorry. This is, you know, we just we just got to do this one real quick. It's going to be really quick. And then ended up not being done till 2. We were so hungry. We ended up going to KFC, got food. And then by the time I looked at the clock, it was 4 o'clock in the morning. I was like, oh, my goodness, what just happened again? I thought this was going to be the one night we could kind of re regroup ourselves so it could start off fresh again, you know. But I made up for a lot of my sleep in the car, uh, tra traveling to uh, Batumi and all the other places we went to. So good thing I could sleep almost anywhere. And I was just like trying to knock out as best as I could, you know. So I was exhausted. But other than that, man, let's get into these fights. I don't want to get too crazy in depth with everything. I just want to talk about the main thing. And for me, obviously, the main talking head points was TJ Dillashaw coming back after two years of being off. And I thought, honestly, he looked great. You know, all hate aside, and not even hate, because I don't hate anybody in this division. No, no, uh, no gamesmanship or um, trying to be a funny guy or breaking balls. I, I don't need to do that right now. That was a great fight from um, Mr. Needleshaw. I mean, sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I just said I wasn't gonna. <laughs> I just said I wasn't gonna do that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, let me be serious. Great performance from Mr. Pillashaw. Oh my! I did it again. I did it again. Oh, Dillashaw. Sorry. All right. Great performance from Dillashaw. Uh, I think the fight is scored based on damage, in my opinion. Damage should always supersede everything um that should be the first scoring criteria next should be control time 
or I know you're going to say effective grappling, but MMA is such a unique sport. I think the way you score things depends on the fight. So if if it's a different fight style, you know what this person is trying to do. If you understand what they're trying to do, so if you understand sport of MMA, you understand the different martial arts, you understand that person's fight style and what they're trying to implement in the game. If they're using heavy footwork and they're hard to touch and you can't hit them, the other guy's walking forward and you say, oh, he was pressing the action the entire time. But if the other guy's using beautiful footwork and you can't touch them, how is that a score against the person using the footwork? That means Muhammad Ali and those guys, Sugar Ray Leonard, should never have won those fights by using great footwork. Even the guy like Floyd Mayweather, who people hate, I just don't understand. The guy can't be touched. He's defensively sound. He uses great ringmanship, gets out of the way, does all the pull stuff. You can't touch him. Kind of makes you look silly. And you're, these guys are walking him down. He's in the corner, still defensively covering. That scores for me. I, it makes you look like you came into a guy. I could beat you with one eye open because you can't touch me. That's that's just the way I look at it. Um, but I think every fight is uniquely different. But I do think the main thing that should score in the fight is damage because that's the one thing that can't be subjective, in my opinion. Um, you can say, like, the cuts, that's subjective because maybe that could be different for each um, other person. They might have scar tissue, like TJ had in this fight. He got caught one right hand from Corey, split him wide open. And I don't want to make this a crazy rant about the scoring, but this kind of ties everything back in. And when I say this with the blood and everything, it could kind of sway people's um, decision making when they're looking at the fight. Like, oh, he's hurt so much more because his blood. Like, yeah, but no, you got to score what's actually being done. Try to erase the blood as as hard as that is to say and to do. You got to try to do that to make it as. Um, unbiased as you can possibly be. And that's the way I was trying to watch that fight. And I knew the big cut and I knew it was going to make the judges think a different way. Um, but surprisingly, he got the nod. Um, obviously, that was one round where he got clipped like that. And that was the first round. Obviously, he ate the two flying knees in different rounds. And um, the one even step in knee, I think it was that he caught. But it's, uh, it's a very difficult sport to score. But I think when you look at the damage, I think I almost... I, I felt like Sanhagen should have won, but I knew going into that fifth round, after the fifth round, I was like, I think if the judges score it on control time, they're going to give it to TJ because he had a couple of takedowns where he did no damage, but in space, Corey's using great footwork. He does get taken down a bunch, but if you're, if you're taking me down, you're taking him down, and you don't do anything with it, if you're not doing a powerful takedown, like slam like. Even for example, and I'll use myself. I got slammed on my head from Peter Yan. That's a that's a significant takedown. When he's behind me, he kicks my foot out, and he's standing. He just does a little sweep, and I'm sliding. Not even from like an actual real trip. I'm actually just sliding. And then you don't do anything when I'm on the ground. It, does that should that count for anything? Unless I'm on my back for one two minutes, and you're standing, you're landing your kicks or whatever, and you're doing damage. Okay, you have a point. You're winning on time. You're landing damage to other persons down on their back. They're not doing anything offensively or attacking to finish the fight. That makes sense. And I'm just using a, an outside perspective, trying to use myself and trying to use a different fight, which is this one, and to try to make that make sense for people because it's like people only see one thing and they don't, they don't really understand the, the, the intricacies of each sport. If each sport just tying into each other and blending and how you score the fight of MMA, which is a very difficult thing. And I think that's why we have so many lopsided judging um, so often. And the split decision thing, man, obviously 
two judges give it to TJ, one judge gives it to Sanhagen. So what are we doing? Does that really mean TJ won the fight? You ask the, the consensus of Twitter and all the other MMA outlets. They all pretty much unanimously thought that Sanhagen won the fight. And again, it came down to 2-2 for me in that fifth round. And I just felt like TJ being able to get behind him, land those couple of leg kicks. But even though I felt Corey was laying the cleanest strikes and using beautiful footwork to get out of the way and avoid damage up top to the head, take maybe, I don't think TJ was even really landing anything to the body. And that's why I was kind of like, I think Corey won the fight, but I feel like TJ is going to win the sport. That's just my personal opinion. But again, both guys look world-class. I think Sanhagen's a problem for anybody, but I will say into that fight, he gave up his back probably 15 times. And people keep saying, if we had a rematch, what he would do to me, holy crap. There was only one way for TJ to win that fight. He wasn't going to stand up and trade with him the entire time. He had to mix it up, and that's what he did. He fought an intelligent fight. Now, if Sanhagen does the same thing with me again, I'm just trying to, I'm just, you know, I'm not trying to take away their thunder, but I'm just saying, like, people just, they say these crazy things. I'm like, if, if this guy gives me his back again, I'm bigger than TJ. I'm probably stronger than TJ. And I'm going to say in a grabbing position, those hooks are going in where TJ could have threw those, throw, throw those hooks in a couple of times. And I know he said something like he popped his knee. He doesn't have the dexterity in his knees that I do, kind of like that BJ Penn-S kind of thing. Um, not everyone could do that kind of stuff where it gives them that weird flexibility and range to put their legs in these origami Betty Spaghetti positions. And I think that's where I differ in that position. I did like that leg lock Corey went for in the first round, but he allowed TJ to land some big shots when he couldn't get the leg lock. Um, a couple of times TJ was grabbing the cage. The ref, Herb Dean, missed that a bunch of times when he said... Push off, but don't grab. His fingers were in the cage multiple times. And I, it is a fight. You're in the heat of the moment. You know, you're just doing what you're doing. But when you're like physically doing one of these, I, I think it's a little different. I don't know if someone's going to say to Augusto Mendez, I literally fell forward and my hands slid down. I didn't grab, but whatever. Um, but like I said, great fight. I love when TJ starts to attack the legs. Sanhagen could say all he wants that those leg kicks didn't hurt him, but they were turning him, making him look bad, and it was kicking him out of position. I don't know if he was sliding from the kicking because the cage did look a, it didn't look as slippery in the terms of when TJ was in the clinch. But TJ also didn't put himself in a position where his legs were too far from his body. And that's one adjustment I need to make sure I make in the next time going back into there because obviously I now know going forward that if my legs are too far away from my hips, I'm going to slide because I'm just too far spread out. And especially with the canvas, I'm not going to have the friction. It's not going to be like uh, like a static mat, you know. So uh, beautiful stuff from TJ. Some brilliant combinations. I want to watch the fight again and watch some of the switch stances and stuff he was doing. And Corey Sanhagen, when he switched the gears and he started hes using those hesitations um, those faint hesitation steps and really getting this guy going like boom, boom and using that slick motion. It's just it's the slickness of him making you feel and appear like he's stepping forward, but then he's not. And then he darts back in and throws those body shots, um, those combinations and then rips to the body. That's beautiful, beautiful stuff, man. High level stuff. And I thought that was a really good fight. Again, I felt like for me, Sanhagen did more damage, but I thought... TJ fought more to the to the style of the sport, and um, he got he got the job done. He got his hand raised. Um, great performance, and a couple of takeaways. TJ looked great. Two years off, still he's still one of the best guys. I know he said Daddy's home. I don't know um, who he's referring to. I will say he is one of the most winningest bantamweights in in this division. Obviously, uh, I think he is the most actually, and for him. 
to come back and do that and have such a great performance over a top contender like that, throw himself right back into the heat of um, things, I think it, it really gets this division juiced up again. And no pun intended to TJ, EPO, um, and steroids, whatever. PEDs, I just say PEDs. It, it does make you have to question if he found another way to cheat. Because once again, he was able to take a great shot. Some of those shots would have put... I know they say about your conditioning, but I don't, I don't know. Let me. I, I, I'm not trying. To, I'm just trying to. I'm just. I just have questions. That's it. I just have questions, and I think it's fair to say once a cheater, you never know, man. Could always be a cheater, and that's kind of the way I feel about it. Um, but for the from a performance standpoint, I have to tip my hat off, my Swanee hat, and say, great job, TJ. You look phenomenal, and he's one of the guys I always wanted to face. And people ask me. Couple times before, like dream matchups, I always said Dominic Cruz. That's when Dominic Cruz was on top, and now obviously, uh, when TJ was on top, he was the next guy I was gunning for. You know, it was it was Cruz, it was Burrell, it was TJ, and uh, I want to fight the best guys, and I want to throw my name in there with the best guys, and I think uh, that's that's the way you should come into the sport with that type of mindset, and that type of energy, and that's what's gonna really really take you far. You know, um, so this was a long segment on them. I didn't really want it to be that long, but that was my take on that. I think easy fixes for Sanhagen. I, I don't know who's going to exactly be next for TJ. It might be. I know they, someone, Danny Rubenstein, tweeted something saying that he's going to have Jan versus TJ in October and Fight Island. I was so confused because we just spoke in Vegas and we both know that our management, he is the manager, and my management has already talked about and the UFC already said that we were going to fight October 30th in Abu Dhabi. And then they confirmed it. So when he tweeted that, I was just so so confused um so what are we doing like you, please let me know so i can get my stuff in order because i got things that i had to book and i now i got to cancel and don't tell me i'm gonna have to go hit say tell these guys i gotta rebook again and pay you know it, i don't know it's just it's just real frustrating sometimes when you don't really know exactly what's going on and what's going to be done for your future you know and that's just the nature of the sport i think it, it definitely happens to just about all of us um, so it is what it is. We'll see what happens. But for, as of right now, October 30th is the day for myself and Peter Jan. Um, finally put all the talk in the rest. And I, I can't wait to prove to people like you have one off performance. I know I've said this multiple times, but you have one off performance and people make it seem like this guy caused you to get tired when I was the guy who came in. I've said this multiple times that I felt like crap going into the fight. And if that's a great, if that's my best performance, when I feel like crap, I love my chances in a rematch when I feel good, like I've done in all the other five fights I won against top contenders to get to this point in the first place. If you think I, oh, you shot your load. Look at the Pedro Munoz fight. I would argue that that fight pace was even crazier. And guess why I was able to do that? Because I was in great shape. I was in great shape for this. And I can't wait to just, once again, um, prove the doubters wrong. So it is what it is, man. Uh, October 30th, Abu Dhabi. It's, a, it's like a weird pay-per-view thing. I think they're doing like an estimated buys. I uh, don't exactly know how it's going to work. But I think they're charging in a different region, and but in the states is going to be free, which would be like Canada, Mexico, and United States, and everywhere else. I I don't know. I don't know. I'm just I'm just getting get ready and um get ready to uh to to scrap, defend my belt, and show that I was the guy who should have been the king from the get go. I sh Corey Sanhagen and I were the title fight. I beat a top contender. That was the belt solidification right there. 
Jose Aldo versus Peter Yan, lower ranked guys fighting for a title. Come on, man. Like, guys, make it make sense. At least make it make sense. That's why I called him the paper champ. And that's why now people are saying I'm the paper champ because I... You could say you could say Jan was getting the better of me, and I've admitted that multiple times. It wasn't a great night for me, and it wasn't looking good. But to say like he was gonna finish me, blah blah, that's just crazy talk. I've seen worse come. I've seen crazier comebacks, and to count me out like that is is mind boggling. And I'm not gonna say it would have been easy, but bro, the fight's still going on, and I wasn't gonna stop as long as I had my time to recover. I would have taken my time and have to do what I gotta do and try to answer the bell if I could answer the bell. Um, the doctors deemed it unnecessary, and they deemed it that that was a very, very fight-altering strike illegally. And they, I, what are we doing? Like, we got rules, and we're not gonna commit to them. It's like my, it's like you might as well commit the foul. And I know people were using that tweet before and saying, "Oh, I can't believe you said that." Now look at it, you put your foot in their mouth. I'm like, yeah, but I said that sarcastically because the ref never does anything. They don't, it's like, it's like they just say, oh, it's a fight, anything can happen. It's like, well, if that's the case, then why do we have rules? Then why do we have rules if you're going to play it like that? You know what I mean? Just make it make sense for me. That's all. Um, but it is what it is. The next fight, man, this Pava fight versus Kyler Phillips, amazing, amazing fight. I don't know how Paiva toughed it out like that. He beat a ranked guy who a lot of people were touting as one of the next contenders coming up in his weight class. And I still think... Phillips has a ton of potential. Look at the way he was using jiu-jitsu off of his back, the way he was scrambling, the way he uses his footwork. And I will say that looked very, very tiring. But the way Paiva would end the round sitting down and like crouching all the way down and, and Phillips kind of like just breathing super heavily, you would think that Phillips was the fresher guy, but then he looked like the more exhausted guy in rounds two and three. So that, it, that was like a very confusing thing for me um psychologically it's like Paiva was able to just mentally gather it for five minutes and then whew, once that bell rang he was just like all right I can relax now that kind of thing um he did some good stuff uh that fight was weird I thought it should have been a draw at best I thought the first round should have been a 10-8 and rounds two and three should have gone to Paiva giving you guys a 28-28 scorecard one judge actually had it like that two judges gave it to Paiva um, I don't know what else you need to do. That fight was damn near about to get stopped. And I think that warrants a 10-8, you know? You drop the guy. The fight's about to get stopped. What else do you have to do? It's not like Paiva landed a ton of offense to be like that kind of negated everything, you know? So uh, that's the way I looked at that one. Um, and obviously, you have a couple of other good ones. Adrian Giannis versus Randy Costa. Great use of the jab. That was an extremely fun fight to watch. That first round was crazy. Costa fights like an all-or-nothing guy in that first round, and if you know if he, you could get out of that first round with him, there's nothing. You know, he's going to take it all in the first round, or after that, there's nothing. And that's his style, and I love it, but man, if you can't gather yourself for rounds two and three, that is a big problem. You just need to be mentally tough enough to know that you're going to be in a sh shitstorm of a fight in rounds one, and as long as you can survive a couple minutes, man, and some good defensive strategy, land some strikes where you can, beat him up where you can, and find some openings, but make sure you're protecting yourself. He has those super long arms. And, man, he made that jab work look beautiful. Almost Rob Font-esque. And then following up with that head kick, which was super tricky how he was doing that. Because it just looks like the way he's throwing it, it doesn't look like a head kick is coming. Even though you know that's his technique. But I can see how someone could get easily fooled by that. Because the way he's doing it with the up and down movement, it looks so, like, deceiving. And what, he, what direction he's actually going to go. But that, like I said, that was a fun fight. Giannis came back with a beautiful combination. 
bang, left, right, or was it right, left, ripped the body, and it came up with a nasty uppercut. You see Costa touch his nose as he goes down and kind of just sits down on his knees, kind of pretty much waiting for the ref to kind of um, call it, which is what he did. And Adrianus gets another big win and moves forward, and he was a smaller guy in there, but he fights with so much heart and so much tenacity. I, I really like how how he brings it, man. He's a super tough dude. I wish I got to see a little bit of his grappling, um, but it is what it is. Uh, I just like seeing these guys get tested, and I like to see who really has potential to make that serious run, you know? Because, you know, you know, a couple good matchups, you can make a run, but then if you run into the right one, things change, you know, really quick. So, and I like Giannis. I follow him on Twitter, actually. Um, I think he's a really cool dude, funny, seems like a funny guy, chill dude, and uh, I wish nothing but the best for him in his career, and maybe one day we'll probably be standing across the octagon from each other. And But like he said, and, you know, how the story goes, until then, much success to you. Uh, Darren Elkins versus Dirk Miner, crazy fight, and this is why they call this guy the damage. Uh, Thirty-seven years old, as, as he said, and for him to be doing what he's doing is unreal. It, it, it's just—it's nothing short of fascinating, man. Um, the guy just—he's beating up better athletes by just tenacity, uh, durability, heart. What you know, and like he said, he's breaking guys. Guys are getting tired from beating up on him and going into these scrambles, and he's just dogging it out with all these scar tissues being cut back open, bleeding a load of place, and eventually comes back, finds a way to win, and that's just what he does. And not just win, he's finishing guys, you know, still finishing guys. Um, like I said, I, I this was like, this for this fight, I was up to 7, 6.30 in the morning before I was able to finally go to bed. I didn't get to watch all these fights. I still got to watch the debut of Julio Arce against uh, Andre Ewalk. You call him Ewalk Ewell? I don't really know. But I want, I want to watch the debut of that. Mickey Gall looked great against Jordan Williams. I think Jordan Williams has a lot of technical things he needs to fix up. Um, offensively, he's throwing good stuff. But then he's leaving his head right on the center line. And then he's not bringing back anything defensively responsible to get himself out of trouble. And when you have a guy like that, and Mickey Gall made so much more improvements, and you could tell from his striking, and just bink right down the middle and touching him up because, one, his head is right there. You know where his head's going to be. I can literally just take my head off the center line, wing a punch. As long as I know where your head was, I'm just going to aim exactly where it was, and he's going to be right there to be hit. And uh, cracked him, shot in, choked him out, and that was the fight. Good night, Irene. Uh, I'm going to get ready to go to the gym. I'm going to ride the bike. I got to get some of this sodium out of my system, and hopefully riding the bike will get me tired and... Uh, Hopefully, I could just burn some calories, something nice and easy. I don't want to train really hard today and um, get my bearings back, you know. So, other than that, man, thank you guys for always tuning in. And if you like my shit, subscribe to my shit. I'm spinning breakfast, baby. Bing, 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 bing. Bing. i see you guys later. Peace. Swaniani from Swanetti. Sterliani. Swanee boy. Swanee man. Thank you, guys.